we started publishing on Amazon in 2013, right? I had just started seeing something called Kindle Direct Publishing around 2012. And before that, I had always wanted to be a writer. Ever since I was probably like in third grade, and my dad gave me this copy of a Harry Trollo novel called uh, World War, where aliens come down in the middle of World War II and just disrupts everything, and alliances shift, and the world changes. And that really caught my eye. And then ever since then, I'm like, oh, I want to write cool science fiction stuff like that. I was insecure, and I didn't think anybody would want to publish me. And I started figuring out that publishing on Amazon Kindle was just as easy as publishing like something on a Facebook page. You know, you just got to do all the work. You know, I, I threw uh, an early draft, an early book up there, and I didn't even have a cover for it. Like, I had no idea. And this was January 2013. And it was called Veterans of the Belrod War. And it started a character named Tommy Sampson. So this was, uh, Tommy Sampson was always kind of an avatar for me, for like whenever I had something going on in my life, whenever I had a big emotional event, whenever, you know, life was hard or whatever. I always wrote it through Tommy Sampson's eyes. For Tommy Sampson just wants to go home and go back to a simpler time, to a peaceful time where the world wasn't, you know, he seemed to be on fire. Nothing really changes, we just get better toys. I've always thought the future was gonna be like that. And it kind of, there's also an element of, of a story I've wanted to use ever since I was a kid called The Sprouters, where you've got this uh, uh, group of aliens and it's like a, it's like a, a space amoebas slash zombies where they bite you and then you die and then like a new copy sprouts off uh, your corpse and then the sprouters they just each copy sprouts off a new copy and Each generation every new generation of sprouters they get more and more monstrous So like eight ten a thousand generations in it's just monstrous evil hideous creatures and I always I had that in my back pocket since I was about 17 I've been looking for a place to do it and so I thought, oh, why not use it here? I mean, you know, I love zombies. Why not put them in space? Uh, well, the Sprouters in the story destroy Third Berlin. They overrun it, and it opens up in a really awesome shot. I like where Bruce Campbell is just trying to fly his way out of there as the whole city, built on five levels, is falling apart and kind of imploding in on itself. And. Uh, yeah, it shows the Sprouters a little bit. I wish I had gone to them more. And, you know, I think I'm going to try to use them again in a future story. And But they're really more of a plot device here to kind of get the characters out into space and uh, in search of, like, a Sprouter-free zone because the Sprouters have overtaken all the human colonies. And... Uh, but the really cool part is this is book four was the Bruce Campbell story. It picks up where he was. But I knew I wanted to end with Tommy Sampson because he started the story. So this really serves as a transition piece and it uses a, um, a, writing, a writing tool that I like. Where I like writing in first person but I like having multiple characters' perspectives. So 
you have one book or one uh, one character's perspective that's kind of the main perspective, but you're also having like a diary where it says, oh, this is the diary of Tommy Sampson. And it kind of tells what's going on in real time next to what Bruce Campbell's doing and what he's saying, what his life is like. And, you know, it's it's really kind of a cool odd couple piece I like, too, with Bruce and Tommy. <coughs> where, uh, where Bruce is kind of, uh, uh, not apathetic, but, you know, more he's kind of like, you know, life sucks. You gotta buy a helmet. And he just, he, he, he just knows that life is hard. And it's gonna stay hard. And there might be some nice spots, but life's pretty much just going to be rough. And then you're dead one day. And Tommy Sampson is kind of, you know, a little immature, uh, a little more optimistic, very naive about most things. And they're both very, like, two aspects of my personality that, uh, you know, there's parts in each I don't like. And if I could split myself into two people, it would be those guys. Where one guy is like very practical and pragmatic, the other guy is optimistic and hopeful and believes in humanity and loves the world, and then the other guy is like, "You're a moron." So, and and this really sets up the finale. It sets up this and Travel Six very well. I didn't know exactly how I was going to end uh, the whole series. I knew that they would go back in time, and this brings Tommy Sampson full circle. Because in Ballad Tommy Sampson, the first book, he uh, he's he's wandering the cosmos and he's looking for a new home, and he knows he'll never find it because the home that was his, the home that he loved, was taken from him, and in the destruction of Earth, and so it's like he's just wandering, and it was kind of a, and and then at the end of book five, they go back in time to Earth before the destruction, about a year before. And it ends with him uh, going to Michigan to the cabin he talks about. And it's almost like that's the place he's been trying to get back this entire time. And then the door opens and it's his dad. And he says, hey, dad, we need to talk. And this uh, this and Travels universe has always been kind of kind of a metaphor on 9-11. And my generation, we I was 12 when 9-11 happened. 12, 13, something like that. And that was kind of a, you know, things got weird fast, <laughs> like really weird. Like it was peaceful, then it wasn't. And kind of a, kind of a, you, you lose some innocence pretty quick. Or maybe I just grew up in an ideal time in the 90s. I don't know. But this, it sets up book six and six. We really kind of was an idea I've always had where what if I can go back in time to like six months before 9-11 and I could uh find my dad but you know I'm 30 now but go back to when I was like 13 and say hey dad here's all these things that happened and here's all the details we know and, and here's you know the hijackers on the plane and everything and here's how we stop it in kind of an effort I guess to uh to reclaim my own lost innocence as, a, as, as an adolescent and at the end of it, I always, I always wanted him to find the girl who got away because my favorite stories are where boy meets girl and then they get separated and then he finds her after all this time. And then he kind of gives a little piece of hope at the end because if he can find her, maybe he can find himself again. And, 
you know, that, that theme gets explored more in the next couple of books after that. But man, that's to find yourself, to find hope after you wander around feeling hopeless. That's just the best damn thing. But it was the sums of the parts instead of the whole. It didn't all hang together like it should have. And so I got inspiration to fix it, funnily enough, from the audio commentary track from Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, where Leonard Nimoy himself said that if a character doesn't serve a purpose, get rid of it. And so I had about eight superfluous characters there. And I took all their actions and all their dialogue and gave it to the Jenny McIntyre character. And then that made the story flow that much more smoothly. And, you know, I got all sorts of feedback from it. They're like, this needs to be edited. You suck. We hate you and your book. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I took it down and I edited it. And then I re-edited it. And then I added more to it. But it was the first step. And a lot of the times taking that first step is what brings more people to you, right? It's how you build your team. And that first step allowed me to build my team, right? Because when I took that step, other people around me kind of saw it. I could kind of bring in people in my area. I found editors. I found cover artists. I found photographers, you know, and as the years went on, I would acquire more and more people and take those initial four, five, six, seven, eight properties we put together and keep developing them and developing them. So today I want to talk to you about uh, the paperback version of Omnibus, The Thin Line of Life, Volume 1. It just came in the mail. Look at that. Look at how thick this book is. It's enormous. You can knock somebody out if you hit them in the face with it. It doubles as a weapon. And for a new part of Divided by Zero's books, we have comics here. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it took me four to five hours of research on DPI counts, how to convert pixel counts, and just generally learning what like pixels were, because I kind of had like a vague idea. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it it it's gosh, this is like the coolest thing we've ever done. It's it's a compilation of the first three Thin Line of Life books, and there is so much comics in here. I've never done comics before, but really, it's. I'm really proud of this and I was waiting until I got the paperback in and now the paperbacks in I am going to take this show on the road I am going to go to bookstores and put this on consignment I'm going to go to comic book stores and do signings and see if people will buy them and yeah this is this is a really good book it's it's the most professional looking book I've ever done and I'm really proud of all the work we've done uh, you know, me and my dad for the last couple years. Really, this book started in 2007, no, 2009 or 10 when I was in Iraq. And over time, 10 people have had their fingerprints on it, right? And the last guy to get in on the fingerprint was P.S. Barlow, who does the comics, the G.I. Lowe comics that, um, that go with it. But anyway. Uh, 
BFA issue one, the GILO anthology origins and basic training saga is here. And I mean, I didn't write any of it, but I, I edited it, I produced it and I put it out under my banner and, and I made a comic. That's pretty fucking cool, man. And, oh, it just, it, it, I, oh my God, I spent hours and hours and hours getting everything just right so the paper, the, the comics on the page would be just so. And it's just, here, I'll, I'll show you. It's so clear and it's so beautiful. And I'm so happy with it. And it's, it's really the first step in a broader sort of multimedia aspect I want to take divided by zero to where I'm in. And, you know, I remember, I remember five years ago, publishing a book seemed so pie in the sky, like it never happened. Right. And then it happened. And then making an audiobook, oh, that's years out. And then I did it. And this is uh, really more of a, a beta test of this new microphone that I bought. Just to see how the microphone performs in terms of like audio quality. And, uh, and make sure it sounds, because I don't want to sell something that sounds like junk. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to make a comic. And then I did. And... And, and even if I don't make anything else, I made this, you know, I, I, I you know, uh, all the writing and drawing, all that credit goes to, um, to P.S. Barlow. But, uh, you know, just the fact that my little publishing outfit made a comic book and my, and my logo and my banner is up there. That's, and, and, and all the hard work we did, me and P.S. Barlow did together to, uh, to really make this happen. And it happened and we did it. And hot damn accomplishment. Nothing smells better than, nothing, nothing tastes better than success. And to me, just accomplishing your goals, setting out to do something and doing it. That's, that's success. You gotta put the work in, but you know, Whatever you want to do, whatever your dream is, it's possible. You just, you just got to try. Um.